Let's Go Tokyo with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings. Hello and welcome to Let's Go Tokyo. Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings with you. It's July 30, day seven, and we've got some concerning breaking news for one of our Aussie athletes right now. Yes, Australian BMX racer Saya Sakagabira has been carried off the track after a nasty crash in the semi-finals. I was watching the race, Ben, and all she had to do, alongside her American counterpart, they were well clear of the rest of the field, as, as you know, stay on your bike, safely progress to the next stage. That didn't happen. There was a bump. Both, unfortunately, went to the ground. Uh, it's all over for the finals for, for Saya. Heartbreaking scenes for her and her family. We, we know a bit of a background with what uh, she's been through. This is uh, one of those moments at the Olympics where your heart definitely goes out to the athletes that have been affected. And on a more serious note, on top of that, is wonder what the grounds for appeal for someone like Saya, who thought that she was elbowed in that collision and therefore... She's paying the ultimate price for perhaps a, an issue that wasn't of her doing. Yeah, well, she has certainly alleged that there might have been some interference from the American competitor there. Uh, obviously, it's something that the marshals didn't look at because the results stand as they are. But yeah, certainly heartbreak for her. Her brother, who suffered a, a terrible head injury from a BMX race himself, is over there in Japan at the moment uh, with with their grandma watching it all. So you just wished that it could have been a better outcome for this family. Absolutely. We see the beautiful scenes of those that win gold medals and the families back in Australia or wherever they may be. And that is so uplifting and it brings a tear to your eye conversely this also breaks your heart for them because you know what it means to the family and not even to get the opportunity to to race and if you're beaten by a better uh, bmx competitor so be it but on this occasion she was beaten by bad luck yeah it's tough and, and from one end of the extreme of emotions to the other, just how amazing was it to see Jess Fox win in the canoe yesterday? Like, that was that's one of the highlights of the Olympics, right? For me, that's the story of the Olympics from an Australian perspective. Now, Ariane Titmus has been the Tokyo Titan in so many ways with what she's done in the pool. But it's a background to Jess Fox. She's been at the top of her game for so long, has got the silver, has got the bronze, um, has got both colours except what she wanted. And after falling so short, a couple of seconds it was in... In the K1. In the K1, yeah. uh, the the new event at the Olympics in the canoe, she ended up, you could see at the start of her run, the steely-eyed nature of her meant that she was going to be calm, considered, and I think I remember a bit of a discussion, the difference between uh, stress and pressure. Jess felt stress in her first final, Yesterday, it was pressure, and she handled the pressure magnificently. I tell you what, it was a heart-in-the-mouth stuff because, let's be honest, none of us who were watching this yesterday unfold, or very few of us, had much idea about the complexities and the sport itself, but just watching her, willing her to get through without any penalties, it was just a great moment. And just to add some a cherry on the top, her dad Richard, sitting in the commentary box for Channel 7, calling the event, and he did it with... Such a calmness, such poise. I just wonder what his resting heart rate is because I can tell you now, if uh, if he has not got adrenaline pumping through his body at that stage, I'm not sure. But it was a wonderful adjunct to what was a terrific story. Yeah, and you talk about pressure. Didn't Jess Fox just release that pressure afterwards? Oh, my God. The, the elation on her face, uh, jumping, literally jumping for joy. It is just, as you say, one of the absolute highlights for the Aussies in Tokyo. Absolutely. And look, let's compare. Uh, we talk about the pressure that she was under because she... She had been the best 
in her craft for so long. But unless you win that Olympic gold medal, there'll always be a little, a little asterisk there. Maybe not uh, in the world of, of canoeing and, and, and the, the world that she lives in with sport, but certainly people will say, hang on, she didn't win an Olympic gold medal. So that's the pressure we think of Simone Biles and what she's gone through. Having won all those gold medals, the pressure of maintaining what she's done, this for Jess was, right, I've been close, I've been close, I've been close, not the ultimate. Now, the pressure is off for her moving forward forever and a day. She's an Olympic champion. Yep, that'll never be taken away from her, nor will the exploits of Emma McKeon be taken away for her. More gold in the pool with this. She's a super fish. Outstanding. Her second gold at these games, but importantly, she's a relay specialist. This was her first individual. She won as part of the 4x100, which was a beautiful start for her, but... Uh, coached by Michael Boll, uh, individual gold meant so much to her. In fact, uh, her swim, the second woman to come under 52 seconds, 51.96. And with that gold medal for Emma, she equals Dawn Fraser's Olympic gold medals of eight mm. and is one behind Ian Thorpe and Liesl Jones, who have nine. So it just shows you what a body of work she has. But despite all the, the success in relays for her, I'm sure Emma would be so delighted with winning the gold medal, an individual award, of course. And a lane away from her, Kate Campbell, bronze. And there'll be shades of disappointment for her, but also shades of pride, I'd imagine, because of what she did to bounce back after Rio and all the expectation to come back here. And she had a beaming smile on her face. She is just a class act, a bronze medal to her. Well done to Kate Campbell. And, of course, all kudos to Emma McKeon. Well, let's see what other Aussies were in action today. Yeah, well, in that breaking news that we brought you before about Saya Saka-Kabara, uh, it was a bad crash, but we can report that she's she's conscious, fully conscious. She's a bit shaken up. Uh, she's been taken to a local hospital and she was up and about walking around. Uh, so that's pretty good. We can all breathe a collective sigh of relief there. Absolutely. Uh, she was leading, as we said, uh, crashed with Elise Willoughby. Her husband, by the way, is Aussie Sam Willoughby. So there's a, a little connection amongst all that. Uh, badly injured in the crash. Uh, but off the back of that, uh, she has, as we said, just uh, been taken to hospital and looks okay off the back of that. Now, because of the crash, she's still got the full eight points, puts her in fifth, but unfortunately wasn't enough to make mm. the final, even if she can race, which is... Uh, it's just almost like another dagger through the heart, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And West Aussie, Lauren Reynolds came fifth in that final. It's been a pretty amazing journey for her. She's done this uh, pretty much virtually with no funding, coached by Sam Willoughby, uh, and she was told to retire a few years ago, and she's pu- approved a few of those doubters wrong. Absolutely. Uh, girl from Bunbury, yep. I think it is, and she's uh, done her state, her country proud. What a performance by her fifth, and she'll be well pleased with that. We mentioned in the swimming pool uh, Emma McKeon's gold medal. Uh, what about Emily Seabom? Four (laughs) Olympic uh, campaigns. Uh, She's into the 200-metre backstroke final uh, alongside Carly McEwen, who is going to be probably the toughest to beat uh, in that uh, field of eight. Yeah, yeah, great to see. And uh, as you say, Seabomb, ageless. Just terrific, isn't it? Just think of it. It's, it's It's four campaigns. That's 16... Plus one, 17 years essentially of just chasing and working so hard for your country. It's so much, so much effort. Blood, sweat and tears goes into a career that long at the elite level. Uh, In the rowing, Australia came fifth and sixth respectively in the finals of the women's and men's eight. So, you know, I guess that you're fifth and sixth at best in the world is not too too bad at all. In the hockey, uh, the Hockey Roos beat New Zealand 1-0 yesterday. They were unbeaten. Yep. I've got to tell you, the changes that have happened 
inside the Hockey Roos setup, coaching setup. They have been proven to this point absolutely. Yep, the happier bunch. A masterstroke in terms of getting the solidarity, the camaraderie, and the on pitch results are showing for themselves. Now, I did say they'd go through undefeated. <laughs> You're a big call. The Kookaburras drew one all with Spain, but they haven't been defeated. That's I'm right. maintaining my stance, the crystal ball, that they will go through undefeated in winning a gold medal. Well, I'll talk about crystal balls a bit later in the podcast, and you, you'll you'll see what one looks like. But, uh, <laughs> but in the women's rugby sevens, uh, USA beat Australia today fourteen twelve. That's a bit of a, that's a bit of a blow because the women were defending were, champions, defending champions. Nothing but gold, really, gold or bust uh, for the Australian women. Yeah, the upside is they've got a quarter final against yep. Fiji tonight. So tough game. The Fijians, we saw them in the men, who were just oh. the most entertaining athletes uh, with a football in hand. Terrifically done, uh, and of course in sailing, and we're about to talk to a, a very special guest on that front but Matt Wern is our star took first spot in race 8 of the laser he'll be racing in race 9 later today and the men's 470 Australia also going beautifully there as well WA's elite athletes on the podium Joining us now is a gold medalist, athlete and coach who has had a love of sailing from a young age. Tessa Parkinson was only eight years old when she began sailing at the Fremantle Sailing Club and was competing by the age of 11. Tessa, thanks for joining us on Let's Go Tokyo. No, thanks for having me. And so firstly, let's talk about Aussie Matt Wern over there. How have you found his performance so far? Oh, I think outstanding, really. I mean, he had a really t- – the conditions have been really variable. So the first day of his racing saw really shifty, really difficult up-and-down um, conditions and the result cards across all the top players were, were really high. So his first score, I think, was the 27th, which was, you know, right down on the order. And then to bounce back from that and now be leading over overall, I think, is just phenomenal, even from a mental perspective, to be able to make that shift and really refocus and, and keep on the game and, and not get down. So, yeah, amazing performance now to be leading overall with only two more races to go and then the medal race. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the conditions because we know they played havoc on the rowing. Uh, rough waters are a nightmare for rowers. How does it impact the sailing uh, to have such variable conditions and probably well, you obviously want wind, but is it possible to have too much wind? Yeah, definitely possible to have too much wind and there's, big waves over there, a bit like what we've got in Perth today. <laughs> but the wave state yesterday was making the sailing really, really challenging, even for the skiff classes especially, to get around the course. But it's quite a challenge to be really strong across across a range of different conditions. So from the really light wind to the heavy wind to the wavy state, most people have a, um, a special condition, I guess, that they're strong at performing in. And, you know, most teams come from Perth are always good in the strong wind because it's generally pretty pretty rough off um you know Perth's one of the windiest cities in the world so it's a it is a challenge to be really strong across the board and you know Matt's performance now in the lighter breeze has yeah he's been been winning races so pretty phenomenal Absolutely. We'll uh, touch on Matt Wern again in just a moment, but the women's 470, you know, Monique uh, DeVries and Nia Sherwood, uh, this is uh, right in your wheelhouse, of course, with what happens in sailing. Uh, how have you assessed what, what's going on with them so far? Oh, look, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to have a team from Perth in the women's 470, and it's been Nia and Monique's dream for 
gosh, since I was growing up sailing to, to go to the Olympics. And I think, you know, they've made a great effort in, in, in getting selected and they've had some really solid races and it's still early days. I was just watching before, I think their fifth race is live at the moment and they're currently sitting in 11th. So as I said before, a lot of the results are really, really varied and quite high points. So if they can have a few another few good results, we could easily see them um, move up the rankings. And Australia has done pretty well in the sailing previously. We've picked up medals at various Olympics. Why do you think this is something that uh, we do okay at? Um, I think oh, it's, a, it's, it's a really good question. And I was actually listening on the radio this morning and they were talking about the the swimming and, and I was hoping that they'd mentioned the sailing because I know we haven't won a gold medal yet, but the sailing is very unique in the fact that it goes over such a long time frame sort of 10 days for each each event so it does take a while for the gold medals to come through they're not through at the beginning but I think um in the I guess history of sailing in Australia we've had a really good transfer of knowledge um Belinda Stoll is the waist head head coach here um silver I'm sorry gold medalist from Sydney and she's been working really hard with Nia and Monique transferring that knowledge in the 470 um onto them and even helped Elise and I when we competed and won gold in 2008. So the knowledge transfer, I think, in the country is really strong, which help which helps a lot. And I guess you can see see the dream from a young age that it is possible, and um, really good good mentors to keep passing that knowledge down. Tessa, 13 years since that magical moment for you in Beijing. Uh, Now you look at the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Do those emotions in part come flooding back to you and the memories just uh, rekindled by what you're seeing at the moment? Yeah, definitely. I was watching the opening ceremony and just to see, you know, it's just a, a really special experience. And I think now, you know, you can appreciate just how much work every individual athlete's put in over so many years to be able to to be there and you know be at the top of their game and be in such strong shape to be able to have that chance at getting a top result so to be in that position is is something really special and you know it it doesn't happen overnight it's a a huge dedication of hours of hours of work that that gets them there so no look really really proud of them and I'm so glad the Olympics is going ahead and that we've got strong representation from Australia. It's a, it's really special. Well, strong representation is the word. We've been fantastic so far this Games. Going back to Beijing, we won 14 gold, if memory serves me correct. Do you think we'll beat it in Tokyo? Well, the yeah, swimming team have been really strong, haven't they, which is which is outstanding um, and I'm sure we'll get some medals in the sailing. So, yeah, there's, ev- there's every chance that, that we, we can for sure. Um, now, going back just to that partnership with uh, Elise Rikichi back uh, in 2008, I think I've asked you this before, Tessa, about on the water and there's going to be moments where you are on the same page and some when you're not on the same page. Um, how... How fraught is it at times in the heat of competition to keep a cool head with someone you respect and your teammate, but also to make sure you're both working for the common good in the right direction? Yeah, look, a lot of it comes down to teamwork and a two-person partnership is, you know, is very special because there's a lot of independence, but you're also a team. But by the time 
you're competing at the Olympics, you know, especially with sailing, the amount of travel that's involved. You've, you know, you've travelled the world for sort of at least four years together. It's almost, you know, doing everything together, living together, campaigning together, working together. Um, so the amount of competition and the amount of time you've spent together before the Olympics starts is, you know, you don't get to be in that position unless you're a really solid solid partnership um which can work in your favor once you start competing you know you know each other so well that you can really back each other up and if someone's you know not quite feeling you know up to up to speed you can kind of cover for that a little bit so um no we i was very lucky with elise we had a really strong really good partnership um which is one of the reasons why i think we're so successful and i know the girls Mia and anik also have a really strong partnership and have spent a lot of time together and um so i think it'd be something that would work in their favor rather than upsetting them to be honest we're speaking to olympic gold medalist tessa parkinson her sailing history and appropriately it's front and center in tokyo at the moment as, as part of our let's go tokyo podcast yeah, Tessa, I've got to ask you, we heard in the rowing that uh, the conditions were so rough that people were falling out of the boats. Does that ever happen in sailing? Yeah, definitely. It's boats capsize, which is when they tip in and they flip over and it's a pretty big disaster because it takes a while to get the boat back upright. But especially in there's the 49er and the 49er FX and the NACRA, which are the skiff skiff classes which sail really high speeds and it's really easy especially when the waves stay it's really high for them to run into the back of a wave when they've got the spinnaker up and and flip the boat over and and fall out and i was even watching one of the 49er races and the um Italians who won the race as they were going across the finish line, the skipper got wiped out by a big wave. So <laughs> it definitely happens and it's all part of it. Uh, it's how you recover that gets you back in the game. Absolutely, Tessa. And you must be peeved at times when the only vision that is shown on the news at night is when the boat capsizes <laughs> or someone goes overboard, which uh, I guess is uh, par for course. Now, you, you, you talk about some of the, uh, the nuances and some of the terminology of sailing. Uh, and of course, like most, uh, for every couple of weeks, every four years, there's uh, people trying to watch and learn. How intricate is it? You mentioned the skiff and you mentioned different elements. Um, can you break it down to us in a nutshell in 30 seconds about uh, what is the most important part of if something goes right or wrong when you're competing in terms of uh, the vessel you're on? Well, you have 10 to 12 races and you get to drop your two worst scores. So that works in your favour. You can sail with a higher element of risk because if you've got a high score like Matt Wern, for example, in the laser, he'll be able to drop his first race score and then over the competition, the lowest points wins. And is that a score based on where you finish? Yes. Yep. 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 So it's a lowest point scoring. So if you finish second, you get two, two points and you carry all of your points through your 10 or 12 races and then you get to drop your two worst scores so your two highest scores yeah right and then and how many different classes of vessel are we talking about at the olympics and um, there's 10 different disciplines oh wow yeah and is that and so you would it's, it's not like swimming where maybe you do freestyle maybe you do backstroke maybe you do the medley do you it's all specialist is that correct yeah, it's, it's very much the same. And the only unique thing with sailing is you can only compete in one event. Mm. So in swimming, you know, you can do the relay and you can do the 100 metres, whereas in sailing, it's you just sail the 49er 
skiff class or like Matt Wern, you're just competing in the laser event, but it's very much the same to swimming a different stroke. And so who are the, who are the big countries in sailing? Um, Australia does really well for our population for sure. Um, Great Britain is very, very strong in their sailing. I'd say they're probably number number one. A lot of the European countries are also very strong, like um, Italy especially is right right up there. Um, mm. America does quite well. So it's different in each event. Some countries are very specialist. Brazil has been really strong over a number of classes. You might have heard of Robert Scheidt, who's currently competing in the laser against Matt Wern. He's one of the, I guess, most famous all-time sailors. I think Couldn't forget a name like that. Two silver. Yeah, so Brazil, definitely a very strong sailing nation. Yeah, wow. And, and so what's, what's your outlook? If we had to put you on the spot and say, how many medals are we going to take out of the sailing at, in uh, Tokyo? What would you say? I would say at least three. How many, to to be, how many of them are going to be sure yellow? Because I know when you're competing yourself, you just want to keep in the moment and keep focusing on each event and not think of that end result. Um, so I guess I still think like that myself when I'm watching it. Um, but the men's 470 and Matt Wern in the laser looking very strong. The NACRA has had some great performances. The 49er boys, Sam and Will Phillips from Melbourne, are sailing extremely well and doing really well in the strong strong winds. Um, they're one to watch. So we've got some uh, some live chances and some very good chances. Three medals, Tessas. We're going to put it on the front page of the West tomorrow, your uh, starting <laughs> prediction, uh, Tess. Don't worry. We're, it's only just a prognostication. We're not putting your, that's what we call opinions. And if there's three medals out of sailing, and hopefully Matty Wern, probably the best chance to win gold, that would be a, a terrific result. And as we said, uh, one thing we're not sure about over there in Tokyo with uh, typhoons and earthquakes and uh, who knows what, uh, the conditions can vary very quickly. So it'll take, as you said, throughout this uh, interview uh, a real mental and uh, physical ability to adapt to conditions when they arrive oh exactly i remember in china when we were competing we had a reserve day before our medal race day and all we had to do in the medal race was not finish last and i watched the men's racing on our reserve day and it was the most extreme conditions i've ever watched racing in with the waves and there's still a lot of footage on it and I remember thinking wow it's not over till it's over anything can happen here I wonder what we're going to get tomorrow so you're right it is a yeah very vulnerable place in terms of conditions which which makes it really exciting to watch as well yeah very exciting and so variable depending on the conditions things you have no control over as an athlete Olympic gold medalist Tessa Parkinson thank you so much for sharing your insights on Let's Go Tokyo today no thank you Tokyo's top moments. Talking about winning gold, let's talk women's gymnastics. And I mentioned at the top of the show I was going to talk to you about crystal balls. You might remember on this very podcast yesterday, we talked about the women's gymnastics final, and I gave you my top tips. One of them, Suni Lee from the States, she walked home with the gold last night. My other tip, uh, Angelina Melnikova from the Russian Olympic Committee, came third. 
So how come when I put my crystal ball out there and it's wrong, you're quick to highlight it, uh, but when you get yours on the money, again, you're happy to tell you what, there's, this is not a team. I'm not so sure we'd last in a 470 out in the middle of the, uh, the ocean. We might throw one of the other ones off, I think, before the finish line. Uh, well done, Ben, on that. Uh, and the gymnastics, Thank it is, you. I it is it. so exciting to watch. Intently. And uh, as we know, it's, it's just got that element, particularly with the Simone Biles situation, just going forward as to will she, won't she. Oh, look, I... Can't see her competing for the rest of these games, can you? I think it'd be very hard, given the safety concerns around performing these uh, performing these um, routines at such a high level as she does when you're not 100% locked in. But people were worried that without Simone Biles, the, the women's final was going to be a bit of a fizzer. It was actually the opposite to that. There was so much drama because it was up for grabs for anybody, when Simone's there, it's kind of like a, you think it's pretty locked in, it's going to be her. Uh, so you had Suni Lee, who was just immense. Uh, they all struggled with the beam, to be honest with you. Like, there was a lot of a lot of the gymnasts had a hard time on that particular apparatus. Uh, and the, the Brazilian uh, competitor never won a gold medal that country in gymnastics, uh, and or never won a medal, full stop. Uh, and she came out of nowhere... Uh, Great floor routine, stepped out a couple of times, and if it wasn't for that, she could have won the gold. Instead, took home a very, very worthy silver, knocking the Russian into bronze. And it does open the way, as you said, Simone Biles' absence does open the door for other nations, other athletes to step up. But end of the day, I think we all want to see the best yeah, compete. you want to see the best. And Simone is at the very pointy end of gymnastics. Uh, by the way, we talked about BMX and the, the crashes that have already occurred. Well, earlier, of course, American Connor Fields was stretched off, so one of the uh, one of the stars of BMX out of contention. And I've got a really interesting story about the Boomers and one of their leading players, Aaron Baines. Uh, now, the Boomers are on track to hopefully get through and, and play off for a medal, their first ever at Olympic competition. But Aaron Baines is out with a neck injury. Sustained it against Italy, I think, on the floor. And then it was accentuated or exacerbated when he had an accident in, a, it says, the bathroom or the toilet area yeah, whether it was in the dressing sl- rooms. He slipped over on the tiles or something by the sound of it. He's done his neck. So he, they, you talk about freak accidents and ways to uh, unravel at Olympic Games, unfortunately, <laughs> for Aaron Baines. <laughs> the it, last thing you'd think. Exactly. Nick Kay, former Perth Walker, he now gets a chance, you'd think, to step up and play more minutes. But from an overall perspective, it's not a great result for the Boomers as they try to press ahead. We know they've obviously got no Ben Simmons there. They're having to play out of their skins to, to beat and, and match the best in the world. Baines' absence is going to hurt them. Yeah, and some of those European nations are really so much stronger than they've been in the past. It's a very wide open competition. Uh, unlike the tennis, it's looking like the joker, Novak Djokovic, is on track to achieve his lofty goal of a calendar year Golden Grand Slam, which, for those who don't know, is all four majors in the tennis world, plus Olympic gold in one year. And guess what? It's only been done once before. By the great? Steffi Graf. Yeah, and that's uh, that certainly is driving Novak Djokovic. You can tell that as this year has gone on, he's, he's realised this is a very special achievement within reach. And I would be very confident that he'll go through and win this because he is such a driven man with this goal in mind. A yeah. golden, uh, gold medal to come off the back of what's been an extraordinary year for him. Uh, by the way, uh, good news I think with the Australian pairing mixed uh, between Ash Barty and John Pearce. So they're through I think to the next stage and it might even be a semi-final I think, uh, mixed double. So that's a good result for them. Well done to the Aussies. But yes, the Joker... He's well, he up and about. Up. He tailed up Kai Nishikori, the hometown hero. Uh, and you know what? That's the. I think it's the 16th time in a row that he's beaten Nishikori. And 
Following that, we know that Naomi Osaka, who lit the flame to start the Olympics, she was knocked out early. So suddenly the tennis for the home nation, not so great. Mind you, they've had a very good first seven days of their home Olympics. Yeah, and you know what else they can do? They're not going to be watching tennis. They can look at Olympians on TikTok because the IOC's changed its rules around social media and it's meant that it's opened up TikTok posting for the athletes in the village and they have embraced it, holus bolus, to the point where now TikTokers around the world are opening their app and in the... Uh, you know, the For You screen and the app that just got to pr- promotes the trending things. Uh, it's all Olympians at the moment. Some of these posts from the Athletes' Village getting a million views on TikTok. And so just for our listeners and for me, <laughs> the TikTok, now my daughters have tried to explain it. They showed me, there was a, a story the other night on TV about a 15-second essentially video. Yeah, yeah. It's 15-second yeah, video and most people dancing, um, yeah. doing something silly. Yeah. And I said, uh, with all due respects, uh, after watching three or four, I said, this is like watching paint dry after three or four. But this is a worldwide phenomenon, and we know the Olympics are a place where it can have a bit of a twist. Oh, it definitely has had a twist. There have they've been uh, athletes posting about the so-called anti-bonk beds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there have been athletes posting... There was the, one of the competitors from the uh, Team USA women's soccer team has posted about the uh, demigod-looking foreign athletes walking around the village and how she's going to just sort of make sure she's got the lippy on and the, and the uniform ju- looking just right for when she... <laughs> bumps into any of them, and it's been going off. It has. Um, look, I don't think it was on TikTok, but I know Jess Fox, uh, with her running repairs for her canoe, had to use uh, some some resin and then had to put a, um, a condom from the Olympic Village, <laughs> yeah, theory, yeah. to just to give it that uh, sealed look. So that might end up somewhere on TikTok as this uh, Olympics progresses. But yes, uh, that social media has another... Avenue over there in Tokyo. Yeah, but the big, probably the biggest social media presence of any Olympics because it's been something that's growing over the years as social media has. It's really hit home now. Uh, should we talk about what's coming up? Absolutely. Well, 2pm today, beach volleyball, uh, Australia versus the Russian Olympic Committee. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to seeing if uh, our women can advance there. Mariaf Atacho de Sola and Taliqua Clancy, uh, Indigenous uh, athlete who's really performed so well, uh, going to Rio five years ago as it stands. And the diving coming up later today, the women's three-metre springboard preliminaries. Uh, Esther Quinn and Annabelle Smith will be flying the flag for the Aussies. At 2.30pm, the badminton mixed doubles gold medal match. Then a little bit later, the canoe slalom and the men's kayak final. We mentioned the tennis, of course, mixed doubles semi-final, Ash Barty and our own John Pierce, who's uh, hopefully going to uh, drive the... Who are the Russians they're playing? Do you know? That's a very good question. I don't know who the Russians are, but uh, I would have thought Ash Barty, fuelled by being beaten so yep. early in the singles, will have uh, a fairly chance. steely mind attached to that. And, of course, the archery follows that. Yep, uh, the women's individual gold medal match, 4.30pm, Rugby Sevens quarterfinals. Aussies back in action. Yep, uh, the women, defending champions. Let's hope they can uh, just get themselves Fiji. through against Fiji. It's going to be a tough task, but we know that maybe that loss to the USA, little, uh, little... Little point in the uh, in the backside yeah. they need just to just to spark them up. Yeah, spark them up. And it's six fifty p.m. tonight. Uh, the Australian women's water polo versus Spain. Can't wait for that. Yep. And then coming up tomorrow, another massive, massive day. As we mentioned, uh, the track and field is in action. Uh, we're going to see discus four by four hundred meter relay. Uh, Australia in the mixed relay triathlon. Yeah, from six. That's an interesting one. It is indeed, yeah. Uh, th- we talked about the mixed uh, competition, the swimming. Well, this is the mixed triathlon from 6.30 tomorrow. And by the way, to hear more about the triathlon, you can have a listen to our chat on Let's Go Tokyo with Jazz Hedlund. She will be in it, in the race to win it. So let's hope that they can get a result there. Uh, golf, by the way, 
has been delayed. Yeah, well, the weather hasn't been very helpful for the rowers and the sailors, so no surprise the golfers who don't really like even a little bit of precipitation at the best of times. And just shh, has to be quiet while they're putting. putting. The no crowds has been a boon for the golfers. (laughs) And they've thought, this is heaven. No one to distract us. Seriously, get with the ages. Um, uh, Australia's women's water polo team won't have to worry about the the weather because uh, they'll be up against Spain. That's going to be a tough, tough event, uh, tough match, 6.50 roughly tomorrow as well. Oh, here we go. Kate, our producer, has very helpfully provided those Russian uh, tennis players who will be playing at Piers and Barty. Uh, Andrei Rublev and Anastasia Pavlichikhen... Hang on. I'm going to get this. Pav- Pavlyukhenkova. Pavlyukhen... No. That's the best I can do. As we say, the Russian pair <laughs> the trying Russian to beat the Aussies. Uh, <laughs> if we had more time to evaluate, <laughs> dissect and pronunciate, we would have done it with a deal more precision than what we just did there. Yeah, indeed we will. We'll, we'll work on those Russian... Well, hopefully we'll never need to mention them again because the Australian <laughs> couple will knock them off. Uh, he's, he's hoping for that. Uh, well, that's it from us today. You can catch all the action from the Olympics at thewest.com.au. Join Skeet and I on Monday when we bring you all the highlights from a massive weekend at the Tokyo Olympics and speak to another Olympic favourite. You've been listening to Let's Go Tokyo by The West Live with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings.